traditions are, or what you look forward to about Christmas, and let's just go ahead and talk about it right off the bat. We don't all look forward to everything about Christmas. Christmas isn't all fun and games for everybody. There's some emotions that we deal with at Christmas that we don't always deal with at other times of year. Um, but there's also a lot of great things about the Christmas season. And so uh, for me, I think one of my favorite things about the Christmas season is the giving of gifts. Um, when I was a kid, it was the getting of gifts. Uh, but now it's more the giving of gifts because, you know, you reach a certain place in life where, um, you know, anything someone could afford to get you, you probably already got for yourself or something like that, right? It's not like a kid's going, man, I can't wait for this toy and they don't have any way to get it otherwise. But I, I was thinking, what if you're like, I don't know, the nephew of, of Jeff Bezos and... and and, and there's a new Mercedes for Christmas. Like, that would be cool. Um, but otherwise, it's more about the giving of gifts, right? Um, a few lucky members of Grace Fellowship, a few lucky people who are with us in the worship center today actually received gifts when they came in. I should probably rephrase that. We're in church. A few blessed people, because, you know, we don't do luck around here. A few blessed people were actually given gifts when they came in, and they're good gifts, too, by the way. Um, and uh, like every good gift, they, the people who received them didn't do anything to earn them. They didn't necessarily deserve them. I did not check Santa's list before I decided who to give these gifts to. So some of you should be grateful that might be your only chance this, this year. Um, but they were just blessed to receive it. And once they open it, it is theirs. What they do with it is completely up to them. It is a gift. It is a blessing and it's for them. So as we enter into this uh, season of Advent, let's start, shall we, by opening some gifts. The gifts that I gave out are numbered. And so if you are the blessed people who receive gift number one, I want you to just sort of stand up where you are. Gift number one, people. Okay, over there. Yep. Uh, and uh, actually, Bo gave me 20 bucks to let him be, but uh, no, this is an actual gift. So um, I want you guys just to open your gift, pull out what's inside, hold it up and show it to us and let us know what you got. Paper? Nothing. <laughs> no, there's something in there. Hope, hope, the gift of hope. You know, um, this first candle is the candle that represents hope. I don't know if you're paying attention, but this morning, um, the songs we sang were all about hope. The passage that we read was about the hope of the coming Christ. And we're going to be talking about that more in just a minute, but there's more gifts out there. So who, who's got gift number two? Stand up if you have gift number two. All right. 
These guys have gift number two. Go ahead, open it. Let us know what it is. Joy. Joy. All right. Okay, so we like joy better than hope, right? We got three, <laughs> three claps. Maybe we can hope for joy. I don't know. Uh, we're going to be riding, lighting a joy candle next week, and we're going to be talking about joy. We've actually been talking about joy quite a bit lately in the book of Philippians, right? And we've talked about the fact that joy is different than happiness. Joy is not circumstantial. And when the angels came to the shepherds in the wilderness proclaiming glad tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people, they were offering something so much better than just an improvement in your circumstances. And we'll talk more about that next week. But there's a third gift to open. Who's got gift number three? All right. What did you guys get? Oh, it's so exciting. I don't know if Chuck can read it, so love. All right. Oh, man, it's getting better. This is great. Now we're excited about love. And let's be honest, right? That's going to be this candle. We'll be lighting a love candle in two more weeks. But uh, let's, let's be honest. Love is actually the centerpiece of the Christmas message, right? Uh, for God so... Love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is about God loving us so much that he gave his son. And I realize that Christmas gets us all wound up and all busy and overwhelmed and there's pressure and stress and all that kind of stuff. But guys, if you miss everything else about Christmas but you get that it is a gift of love from God to you, then you got it. All right, and we're going to be talking about that in two more weeks. And then who's got gift number four? All right. Let's see what you got. She got an empty bag. Oh. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Good. Christmas means peace. Peace with God. The peace of God, the peace that surpasses understanding, uh, the peace among men. It is so much more than the absence of conflict to have the peace of God. And we're going to talk about that as we light this fourth candle in three more weeks. And that's what these four outer candles represent. Hope, joy, love, and peace. And then the center candle, which you may notice, is larger represents Jesus. And on uh, Christmas Eve, we're going to have a service together uh, to celebrate and worship the Lord on, on uh, Christmas, and we'll be lighting that candle on that day. So uh, that's the plan. Now, there is uh, a fifth gift. Who's got gift number five? All right, good. What could she possibly get? Lots of paper. Paper, all right. Paper's not always a bad gift. What is it? What is it? What is it? 
$100, whoa. <laughs> it is good to draw curtain number five, apparently. Wow, a hundred bucks. So we had hope, we had joy, we had love, we had peace, and then we had a hundred bucks, and everybody went, whoa! <laughs> and so let me just remind you that as cool as it is to have a hundred bucks, especially if you happen to be a teenager, <laughs> uh, it pales in comparison to hope, joy, love, and peace. And it shows us, doesn't it? That I know, you're, you're going, man, why do you give her gift number five? <laughs> I wanted to be gift number five. Um, and, and if you're wondering, no, you don't have to put it in the offering plate, it's yours. A lot of people tip their pastor at a time like this, but that's <laughs> really up to you. But... But the thing for us to remember is that this, this 100 bucks, we go, wow, that's an incredible thing. In the midst of the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, God wants to get our attention away from the things that are nice, but pale in comparison to the things that are amazing. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but 100 bucks doesn't go quite as far as it used to. 100 bucks doesn't go as far as it did yesterday, by the way right? And so uh, that's, that money's going to get spent, and I hope it gets spent on great stuff and that it's a blessing and all of that kind of stuff, but that money's going to get spent, and then it's going to be in somebody else's hands, and, and money is like that, right? Did you realize that all of your money isn't really your money? That it just passes through your fingers and goes to somebody else? And if you didn't realize that, it's Christmas season. Just watch. You're going to see how that works. But during the time of Isaiah, as we read earlier from Isaiah chapter 9, during the time of Isaiah, they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. They had all sorts of ideas about him, right? There were these prophecies and there were these teachings and these ideas about who this Messiah would be. In general, they thought he would be a deliverer right? Someone like Moses. Because the nation of Israel was always seemed to be in some kind of trouble. They always seemed to be um, captivated or, or uh, oppressed in some way. And so they were looking for a deliverer, somebody like Moses. They were also looking for a military leader, probably someone like David, right? The prophecies talked about how he was going to come and establish his kingdom. And as they were under the rule of these oppressive other kingdoms, they were looking for someone like David to come as a military leader, as a warrior, as a king. They were also looking for someone who would come as a prophet, just like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Elijah. They knew that this one who was coming was going to speak the very words of God, and so they were looking forward to that. And depending on which rabbi's teaching you had been sitting under or what you had read or heard, you had a different idea of who this Messiah was that you were looking forward to. And they had all kinds of ideas about him, and they really didn't know for sure what he would be like. So compare it, if you will, to our situation today when we read the book of Revelation and we look at those last days and all the symbolism and all the prophecy, and there are people who think they know exactly what all that kind of stuff means. And there's specifically a name for those people. They're called idiots. 
And because when you read that kind of prophecy that is symbolic, it is not easy to know for sure what it's speaking of. And so most of us who have studied those end times prophetic books, we have some ideas, we have some, some leanings, but unless you're humble enough to go, I'm not really sure exactly how this is going to go down, you're probably going to miss the point. And that's what happened to the Jews before the coming of Jesus. They had all these ideas about the Messiah, but they were sort of shadowy, and they were sort of half man-made and half biblical, and they weren't really quite sure what they were looking for. But one thing they had was a hope that he was coming, and when he came, he was going to fix what was broken. They had that hope. Now, when I use the word hope, I should probably clarify terms. I am not talking about a wish. Think about this in terms of uh, a fisherman, right? And he goes out and he hopes to catch a giant fish. But he doesn't know if he's going to catch a giant fish. Or think in terms of uh, buying a lottery ticket. You buy that ticket, you spend your two bucks, and you're like, all right, maybe this is a million. Nobody would buy those tickets if it wasn't for the fact that there is a wish that maybe there's a chance that this could be the one, right? But they don't actually believe it's probably the one. They're just paying for the chance, and they're wishing that they would get the one. Or let's just say you're, you're, uh, you're looking forward to UCLA winning a national championship. That's pretty much a wish. There's a difference between a wish and a hope, right? And, and so when we're talking about hope, we're talking about something different than that. I, I remember as a kid, I remember hoping that Santa would bring me certain things at Christmas. And, you know, sometimes the old elf came through just fine. And other times, I found myself disappointed. I even remember uh, wishing that uh, at Christmas, Santa would take some things away. I, I remember wishing he would, he would take away my mom's drinking habit. I remember asking Santa for that. And, you know, Santa gives you a weird look when you ask for stuff like that. I remember hoping, wishing that I would wake up on Christmas Day, look across the room to my brother's bed because we shared a room and realize God had taken my brother away. I had wished for that. Not like taking him to heaven, maybe like to the neighbor's house. That would have been okay for me. And I, and, and I remember wishing for things like that, but that's a wish. That is not the kind of hope we're discussing when we talk about biblical hope. And that's not the kind of hope that the children of Israel had when they were looking forward to the time of the coming Messiah. During the time of Isaiah, they were not uh, looking uh, wishfully for a Messiah. They were confident. There was a faith. There was an, a belief. There was an assurity that the Messiah was coming. Now, the details of that and what that would look like and how it would work, they didn't know that, but they were looking forward to this deliverer. Let me read to you again the passage that uh, Ryan read for us this morning, beginning in chapter 9, verse 2 of the book of Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great 
light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and, the, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. I want you to notice something in those verses that we just read. The word might or may does not appear. You know what word is repeated again and again and again? Will. The, the hope that we have in Christ is that he will do what he promises. Go, go back again. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Uh, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's, a, it's an assured hope. It's a confident trust. The followers of God during the time of Isaiah were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Now, I'm going I'm to try to illustrate this for you somehow. So, uh, Bo, will you come and help me, please? I didn't ask him about this, poor guy. He's going to come and help me. Let's hear it for Bo with rousing applause. We're very excited to see Bo. Um, and let's see. Uh, hi, Bo. We need uh, somebody else. How about Elizabeth? Will you come and help? I'd appreciate it. Yep, thanks. Do you come and stand over here? I want us to see this, okay? I want to visualize this. And it's not by accident that I chose a young person and an extremely old person, okay? <laughs> so so I, I want you to understand the difference between what it was like for Israel when they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah because that's what they put their hope in. And yet, for us, the Christian church, he's already come. We're not hoping that the Messiah will come. We know that he has come. And you say, well, do you really know? Yes, we really know. There is more historical evidence for the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ than there was that George Washington ever lived. So we know historically that the Messiah has already come. And so for, for uh, the people in the time of Israel, come over here, the people in the time of Isaiah, they were here on the timeline and they were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would come. But that is not our situation back over there. Our situation is that now we stand between the already and the not yet. 
We live in this tension between the fact that Jesus has already come and we can look back upon this time and know with confidence that Jesus has in fact come, that he has in fact already lived a sinless life, that he has in fact already paid the price for our sin. This is not really up for debate. Any, uh, any careful analysis of the facts makes this obvious. So we can look back and go, yes, the Messiah has already come. Now, don't mess up my visual. I'm not saying he's the Messiah. I'm saying that there was, there was a time that has already passed. Bo represents times past. I think Dickens wrote something about that. Anyways, so Bo represents times past. We can look back, but there is something that we look back forward to. We are not just here as his church celebrating the fact that once upon a time something happened. If that's what we were doing, there would be no point in Advent. There's nothing to look forward to. It's just a celebration of the past. But that's not what the Bible says, because the Bible says, though he has already come, he is coming again. And, and wherever you find yourself, like if you're alive today, if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you're alive today. If you are alive today, then one of two things is going to happen in your lifetime. One of two things will happen while you're on this earth. Either Jesus Christ is going to come, and we can look forward to that, and he's going to come in the clouds with the angels in power and great glory. That is something we're looking forward to. Or if that doesn't happen while you're on the earth, something else is going to happen, and that is you're going to him. Either he's coming to you or you're going to him. Eternity is ahead for us. And when we think about Advent and we think about what we're looking forward to, it's not just that we look back on the cross and, oh, how we should look back on the cross. It's a wonderful and important thing. But it's not just that we look back to the child in the manger and the wise men and the, and the sinless life and the miracles and the crucifixion and the resurrection. But we look forward to a day in which what was accomplished already will come to fruition in our lives for eternity. That's what we're looking forward to as we stand between the already and the not yet. You guys go ahead and sit back down. Thanks for that. So that's what we're looking forward to. And when we talk about Christian hope, that's what we're talking about. We put our hope in the fact that Good Friday and Easter are not the end of the story. We look forward in anticipation to the day in which our faith will be made sight. Because one of those two things is going to happen in our lifetime. And our hope is, will determine what that is for us. Because either way, a new season is coming. Either way, a new day is ahead. And your eternal destiny is not going to be based on how good you were in this life. <laughs> it's not going to be based on how good you were in this life. And it is not going to be based on how popular you were in this life. And it is not going to be based on how financially successful you were in this life. And it's not going to be based on how beautiful you were in this life. Amen. <laughs> it is going to be based, your only hope in eternity 
is found in the person of Jesus Christ, who left the throne of heaven to enter the womb of Mary, to be lain in a manger that he could go to a cross called Calvary. That's the gift of hope. That's the gift of hope that we celebrate. That's the gift of hope that God has made available to you when he sent his son to be born of a virgin, to be laying in a manger, to be nailed to a bloody cross, to pay the price that could only be paid by a person, by a human being, for the sins of all human beings. You see, for God to be just, it must be a human who pays the price for human sin. And yet there is no human who can afford to pay the price in terms of personal righteousness. And so God has to solve that problem by himself becoming man. And so the incarnation, or Christmas as we call it, is all about the fact that he loves us so much that he makes a promise to us and says that while you have messed up everything, I will restore everything. That in Christ, you will find your living hope. That's why we sang that song today. Jesus Christ, our living hope. That's the hope of Christmas. And that's not just wishful thinking. That's biblical hope. Four, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And so as we enter the Advent season, let us be those who are not only looking back on some wonderful memory that once upon a time, long before we were born, some historical event took place and a child was born. It's wonderful, and we're going to be talking about it all throughout the Advent season. I just want us to understand that it's not just about the knowledge of something that has happened. It is about the hope of what has happened and what it will accomplish. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You say, oh yeah, but you know, the world has really sort of uh, turned its back on God. We no longer really buy into all of that kind of stuff. Guess what? Whether or not you believe in God, he believes in you. Whether or not you believe in God, he exists. Whether or not you believe in God, he is the singular power that, that provides all power for all things in the universe. He is the light of the world. He is our only hope. So we put our hope in him. And he promises that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish that which we are hoping for in Christ. That's what Christmas season is about. That's what God has invited us to celebrate. And I pray that in the weeks to come, we will be able to celebrate with a new sense of optimism, a new sense of hopefulness. You may be dealing with financial struggles right now, and it's never fun to do that at Christmas time. You may be dealing with health issues right now, and it is never fun to do that, especially at Christmas time. You may be dealing with uh, the stresses of family or broken relationships or issues of work or stress or any of those kind of things. Those are never easy to deal with at Christmas time. But let me just get your mind off of the small things and on to the great thing. He is our hope.
the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you. We want to thank, say thank you that your power is not limited. We want to say thank you that your love is overwhelming. We want to say thank you that your plan is perfect. We want to say thank you for what you have already accomplished and what that means for what you are still accomplishing in us. We know, God, that that which we look forward to as we stand between the already and the not yet, we know that as we look forward to the not yet, even the not yet is not in question for you because you've made promises and you cannot break your promises. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your love. We thank you for the hope that is in Christ. We thank you for the joy that is available in Christ. We thank you for the peace that comes to us in Christ. And we thank you so much for your endless love. And we ask you, God, to help us keep our eyes focused on you, whatever our circumstances may be. Let us live in your hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, Pastor Ricky. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. That was a very timely message. Um, so let me let me start by saying, uh, if you're if you're new with us today, this is Pastor Ricky. If you don't know him, uh, he's not just a pretty face that gets to to sing and play guitar for us. In fact, it's arguable whether he's a pretty face at all, really. <laughs> but. Uh, but he has been one of our pastors for a long time, and we are super thankful for Ricky and for all that he does. And uh, we need to share some news with you that involves Ricky, and so I'm going to let you talk about it, and then we'll just kind of share it together. Well, um, God has been doing some unexpected things in our family, and uh, you kind of laid the groundwork there. There's not an easy way to, to lay this one, so I'm going to lead with the punchline. Um, we are moving to Idaho my wife and I and our kids. And um, yeah, so there's the shocker. Um, it was a shock to us too. God just kind of opened up some doors and um, someone reached out to us. And there's a church that is in need of, of uh, someone and reached out. And that's a role that it looks like God has kind of led us to, to fill. And so um, we've just been, this has been a, a couple of months process as we've been talking and praying about this and just seeking God and asking him to close doors that he kept opening and um, just talking with Pastor Doug and we've, the elders have been involved and um, so that's where we're at. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's the big shocking news. That's the thing that makes us all go, uh... Um, I mean, there's probably three or four of you who don't really like Ricky. But there the there must us, have been some yays in there. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, he's taking Vanessa and the kids with him, too. So that's that, even if you don't like Ricky, yeah, that's the big off. So um, I, we wanted to save some time. We, we kind of cut short some of the other stuff we were doing today because we want to save some time. This is kind of a little bit of a family conversation for our church family. If you're visiting with us for the first time, sorry. Um, you, you walked into a family meeting. If you're watching this three years down the road online, sorry. Um, but, but we need to just take some time to process this as a family. Now, the good news is they're not like jumping in a moving van out front and heading out of here. Um, how much longer are you guys going to be around Grace Fellowship? Uh, my last day here will be uh, January 16th. Okay. 
And then so, we will jump in a moving truck. That's and right. Yeah. So you want to not be around that week <clears throat> because he'll ask you to carry stuff and load <laughs> stuff. Um, but it's going to be, uh, that's more, you know, six, six, seven weeks from now. So we're going to get through the Christmas season. We're going to get through the beginning of January. Um, this is not the first time that something like this has happened at Grace Fellowship. Uh, if, you've, if you're a member here, you've been through our uh, next steps process, you learned a little bit about the history of the church. It is uh, not, a, not a part of our story that we hide. What God does at Grace Fellowship is he trains up people and then often sends them elsewhere where they can make a difference. Uh, there, there's no words to say how much I love this family. There's no words to say how much I'm going to miss them. Um, but I have learned in the past 30 years not to freak out about this stuff. And I could tell you with absolute sincerity that I am not happy about this, but it hasn't affected my joy or my peace whatsoever. Because I know who God is, and I know what he does. Now, Ricky is an absolutely key member of our ministry team here. Uh, Ricky, Vanessa, and the kids are absolutely key ministry of our, our uh, key members of our church family, and we are going to miss them, and it is going to hurt, and you can't just go and find another new Ricky. That's not how that works. Find a um, better one. Yeah, but what I found out is there's way better people than Ricky out there. No. Uh, and so that's one of the things that, that we're putting our hope in is the fact that God has an amazing track record. There have been numerous times when God has chosen to move someone who was absolutely key part of our ministry team and move them elsewhere, and never once has he left Grace Fellowship in the lurch. So when God works, he doesn't work in a vacuum, right? So think about, tell us a little bit, like, who do you think... Gonna be, how, where's God working? What are the different areas you think God might be working here? Well, first I'll say, I just I, I think I am a, a testament to God's grace here at this church and to just his grace in, in my life. Um, if you've heard my story, but if you've been around here for a while, I'm sure you've heard our story at some point, and that was that, you know, I kind of grew up in ministry. My dad was a pastor, and that caused me to swear off ministry and promise to never get involved in ministry. Um, because it's messy and it, and it can be hard when that's what you do for your life and for a job. Um, and, you know, God used a, a series of events to, to get me to a place where I was willing to serve him vocationally. And the, Grace Fellowship was the answer to that, uh, to that prayer. And so as we've been here for, it's been eight years now, um, I just, God has taken my heart from a place of not wanting to do ministry to I can't think of doing anything else and as we, th there was no anticipation of wanting to leave or leaving this church. Everybody, we get along. There's no issues. There's nothing like that. Nothing behind the scenes. We're not telling you. Um, what it is is just God working through uh, just different people and different things to take us somewhere else. We're not leaving here. We're just going where he's calling us um, to be. And so I just want to point that out. Like, it's so true that God had us here trained us up, got us ready for ministry, and now he wants to take us and use us somewhere else. And so um, I'm grateful for the time that we've had here. It's been absolutely incredible. I consider all of you guys family, and so does my wife and our kids. And um, But 
I'm, I know God well enough to know that he is not just going to take us somewhere and be like, sorry, Grace Fellowship, um, there's a bunch of holes to fill. Good luck. Uh, I thoroughly believe that this is God's providence and he has something better. And that's not to say that, you know, you're going to go find someone better than me because you won't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, but it, it just when there's change, there's growth. And, and I have seen over and over where God has to. Um, you know, initiate that change so that there can be growth. So we're looking, it's bittersweet. We're sad to leave our family, all of our families here. We're sad to leave all of you guys. And, um, but at the same time, we're excited and expectant for what he's doing in our lives and for what he's going to continue to do here at Grace Fellowship. Yeah. And we have time to process this, guys. We're going to, this is not our say goodbye to the McDonald's. Everybody give them a hug and you'll never see them again. Uh, we have plenty of time to, to process this as a church family, plenty of time to share our hearts with these guys. Um, we're going to be able to do all of that. Um, but also, we need to just make the church family aware. We need prayer. Uh, because God knows what's next, but we don't yet know everything about what's next. And so our hope remains in him. And our hope is never in a pastor or in a staff member or in a building or in a program or in anything like that. Uh, and there's a church in Idaho that for over a year has been looking for the right person. And um, they finally just settled for Ricky. <laughs> uh, and, and the McDonald family is, is a fit for that church, we believe. That's why God's calling them there. And so um, that is a blessing for that church. It is also a blessing for this church because God is doing a new thing and whatever that new thing is, is good because God is doing it. So I'm not happy about it. It's not what I wanted. Uh, Ricky is not um, pretending in any way when he says there's zero wrong, there's no conflict, there's no issue, there's no we've got to get out of here kind of thing. Uh, in fact, that's a big part of why I have so much peace about this. This is not something they were looking for. It was not something they were chasing down. Uh, it was not something they're trying to get away from. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, he's not going to have me now. So if without, like, that can't be easy. So... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I have to make light of these things when I might cry. So that's a thing. Um, let's just continue to be in prayer. Please, you don't have to uh, tackle Ricky and Vanessa today and ask them 10,000 questions, um, but they're available. They're here for the next couple of months. So they're going to be available, and I'm sure that some of you are going to want to share things with them or ask them about the process or see how you can pray for them. You're going to have questions for myself and the other staff and the elders, that some of which we might have answers to and some of which we don't have answers to yet. This is all new, and we're figuring it out. So uh, there's going to be a process, and Grace Fellowship will not look in 2022 exactly like we looked in 2021, and that is a good thing. So this is good for the church in Idaho. It is good for Ricky's family. It is good for Grace Fellowship. It is good for you because God doesn't work in a vacuum. And so it's really going to be up to us to just put our trust in him for that. So anything else you want to share before we pray? And um, that's it. We're going to run out to the front and get in our cars and leave. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we're going to hang out here. And so you can if you have questions and you want to just 
talk whenever we'll be out there for a little bit so all right let's stand and we'll pray and then we will be on our way with our hope our peace and our joy completely intact father we want to say thank you for your goodness your faithfulness we want to say thank you especially for the practical ways in which you have guided and directed the lives of the people in this church including the McDonald family, including all that you're doing with them. We want to thank you, God, for the plans that you have moving them forward, and we thank you for the plans you have for Grace Fellowship and for each of us moving forward as well. We look forward, God, to the hope that we have in you, which supersedes all of this stuff, which is temporary. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.